pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Good evening, Facebook family. Welcome to our broadcast. Uh, I'm coming from me, coming to you tonight from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike, and we pastor Faith Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I got an exciting teaching for you tonight. It's called the significance of your words. In other words, the words that you speak are significant. And we're going to be reading from Mark, the 11th chapter, starting with the 22nd verse. And before we go there, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We thank you for the word that's about to come forth tonight. Thank you for the anointing on my life. I thank you that the word is alive, it's active, it's energized, and it's going to bring forth power, power to change people's lives. I just ask that everybody can have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that can believe and receive. I thank you that it will be life-changing for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's get into Mark eleven twenty-two. And Jesus answering saith unto them, his disciples, have faith in God. And in the margin of my King James Bible, it says, have the faith of God. And then in the Passion Translation, it says it this way, let the faith of God be in you. And how many knows God never teaches in abstracts? In other words, whatever God teaches, is always it always has substance to it. And he never tells us to do something that we're not able to do. And he never tells us something to do without telling us how to do it. Uh, the word is not complicated. It's really simple. All we got to do is pray and ask God to reveal things to us. And then when we open the word and start reading it, you'll be surprised how easy it is to understand. But he tells us to have faith in God, to have the faith of God, and to let the faith of God be in you. And first of all, it's amazing to me that we could even have that level of faith. But if God says we can have it, then we can have it. And then he's going to tell us how to do it in the very next verse. Verse 23, he says, For verily, or surely, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, now see this word isn't reserved for the fivefold ministry or for pastors or teachers or evangelists or anything like that. It's for whosoever. So he's saying that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have what, whatsoever he saith. Mountains are figurative in this passage. And, and I know maybe Jesus was looking at a real mountain when he gave this illustration. He says, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. So he might have been using a mountain as an illustration, but we don't move physical mountains. Uh, we move obstacles that stand in our way. So these mountains are referring to obstacles or something that would impede our forward progress. 
So they could be problems and circumstances of any kind. They could be like health problems, financial problems, work problems, relationship problems. They could be problems that we just encounter in everyday life. And he's telling us that it will take faith to move these problems, faith to get through these problems. And we have to realize the importance of our faith. The Bible is very clear about it. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, without faith, it's hard to please God. No, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we want to please God, and I'm sure that every one of us do, then we have to have faith. And sometimes we just have to develop our faith. And the Bible even tells us how faith comes. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes through the word of God. The more that you read the, the word of God, meditate on the word of God, study the word of God, the more faith will come. Faith cometh. So as we're studying the word of God tonight, we should be expecting for faith to come. In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and the 7th verse, I'm going to read it in several translations so we have better understanding. But it says this in the King James, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And then in the Amplified Classified Version, it says, For we walk by faith, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. With trust and holy fervor, thus we walk, not by sight or appearance. So in other words, it's just a, a, a better explanation of for we walk by faith and not by sight. And then in the easy reader version, it says we live by what we believe will happen, not by what we can see. So in other words, we don't go according to the outward circumstances or what's going on around us or the problem that we're facing, the mountain that we're facing. We go according to what we believe will happen when we speak to that mountain. In 1 John 5, 4, still speaking about the importance of faith, John says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Well, according to this, if you're a born-again believer, if you've accept, accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you call yourself a Christian, then you are born of God. Hallelujah. And so when you're born of God, you can overcome anything that's in the world. You can't think of one problem that's in the world that you can't overcome with your faith. Isn't that a wonderful promise? So John is telling us that our faith can give us the victory over any problem or circumstance that we ever face, even the problem that you're facing now, even the circumstances that you're facing right now, you can have victory over it because it's in the world. So I believe faith is really important and we should be working on developing our faith. Mountains are obstacles, like I said, in our life that hinder us and, and stop us from moving forward in the Christian walk or the Christian life. And Jesus told us how to move them in our opening scripture. He said to speak to your mountains, believe in your heart and speak to your mountains and they will move. And, and here's another thing that's encouraging. We just have to do the believing and the speaking. God will move the mountain. Hallelujah. You know, our words are more powerful than we can think. 
Our words are more powerful than we can even imagine. And our confession is powerful, yet somehow we don't use our words and we don't use our confession the way Jesus taught us to in Mark eleven twenty three. And one reason is because we don't really believe in the significance of our words. Now, we'll, we'll say in a minute that God's word is powerful and God's word is true and God, God's word can move mountains. But he's not talking about what he says. He's talking about what you said. He's talking about your words. You know, I make bold conf confessions concerning my health all the time. And, and I don't make them based on the symptoms that I might be experiencing. Uh, I don't base them on the way that I feel. Uh, remember 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by what we believe will happen, not by what we see or feel. So I'm not going according to my symptoms. I'm not going according to the way that I feel. I'm going according to what I believe, the word of God, that by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And so I go according to that. I'm, I'm believing what I want. I'm not accepting what I have in the natural or the, or the symptoms. So I'm just believing and speaking what I want to happen. I'm speaking the end result. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Jesus told us we would have what we say and what we believe. So I'm changing things by saying that I will be in good health and I will not partake in any sickness or disease. And I believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Oh, I got a pain. Doesn't change my confession. I'm still believing what I want. I'm not believing what I, what I feel. I'm not believing what I see. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. I know some people are having a hard time with this in my Facebook audience tonight because it sounds like it's really far out there. It sounds like hocus pocus, mononocus. You know, I could just speak and boom, there it is, you know. But that's not what I'm talking about at all. It, it's not far out. It's the word of God. And this is what Jesus is teaching us tonight. But here's what puzzles me. People can believe what they read on Facebook and they can believe what they're hearing in the lying media, but they struggle with what they read in the word of God and they struggle when they hear a word like this. And that's the part I don't understand. Why would we believe everything that comes down the pike with Facebook and uh, Twitter and the, the news media and everything and then have a hard time believing what God says? I believe God and let every man be a liar. If we can just divert a little of the faith that we have in those other sources of information, uh, then you'd be surprised how much it would change our lives. Hallelujah. I mean, just a little faith, just faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. And uh, a lot of people have more faith in the devil's ability than they do in God's ability. And we believe that bad things can happen to us, but have a hard time believing that something good could happen to us. And I know, you know, we've been programmed like that through the world and everything. But that's why Paul said that we have to renew our mind on the word of God, because we have to get all that old stuff out and get the new stuff in, put off the old nature, put on the new nature of our new father, who is God in heaven. And look at verse 24. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And, and, you know, most people have always tied verses 24 with verse 23, but that's really not right. See, verse 24 is talking about prayer. And verse 23 is talking about making degree, decrees and confessions and making statements of faith. 
and they're different. And, and so why is verse 24 here? It doesn't seem like it fits. Why would he go in, go from making confessions and decrees and declaring things and speaking confessions of faith and then say something about prayer? Well, remember Jesus said to have the faith of God. And then in verse 23, he tells us how. By believing something in your heart and then saying it with your mouth. That's the faith of God. If you say something, then you don't have to pray about it. If you decree something by faith and you declare something by faith and make a faith confession concerning something like your health, then you don't need to pray about it because if you really believed it when you decreed it and declared it, there's nothing to pray about. It's settled with you. It's settled in heaven. And you're just waiting for the manifestation to come. But if you pray, then what you say must line up with what you're confessing. Uh, if I say I believe I'm healed by the power of God, and then I pray and ask God to heal me, then I just nullified what I declared earlier, that I'm healed of the Lord. And then on the other hand, we nullify good prayers by confessing the opposite of what we just confessed. We pray that we won't catch the flu, and then the first sign or symptom that we have, we say, well, I guess I'm catching the flu. See, you're confusing your heart, and your heart is where faith is developed and where faith comes from, because it's in your heart that you do the believing. It's with your mouth that you do the speaking of what is in your heart. See, you can undo good prayers with what comes out of your mouth. See, you can't pray in faith and then talk unbelief and vice versa. Uh, you can't make faith confessions and then pray like you don't believe what you just confessed. Verse 24 fits better than we think it does. And, and you know, you can mess up a good prayer with a bad confession, and you can mess up a good confession with an uh, unbelieving prayer. And it's like I said, I believe I'm healed by the power of God. But then I pray, heal me, Lord, if it be thy will. And if it be thy will is actually a statement of doubt. You've got to know it's God's will to heal you. When the leper came to him, he says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus reached out his hand and he says, I will. Why would he not say that to you? He's no respecter of persons. If he said it to the leper, he said it to every man with every kind of disease and sickness through every age. He's saying it to us tonight. It is my will. He reaches out his hand to us and says, I will be thou made whole, be thou healed. So I know it's God's will to heal me. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So I should never say if it be thy will, uh, because you're wavering then. See, you should know what God's will is, and you should pray the will of God. And when you pray the will of God, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, then I know he hears me. Why? Because I prayed according to his will. And if I know he hears me, then I know that I have the petitions or the desires that I ask of him. There's no doubt about it. It's God's will to heal us. It's God's will to prosper us. It's God's will to protect us and meet every need that we have. No doubt about it. Get that out of your head right now. It's his will. Hallelujah. But when you pray, you ask the Lord for something. But verse 23 doesn't say whosoever shall ask this mountain to be removed, does it? No, it says whosoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. It's not talking about prayer here. It's talking about making declarations and decrees 
and believing in your heart that what you speak is going to happen. So he told us to speak to the mountains or the obstacles in our life. And, and so that's not really prayer, is it? Now you can speak to them during a time of prayer. You can make decrees and declarations during a time of prayer, but that's not actually prayer. Prayer is asking. Speaking to a mountain is declaring or decreeing. So even though they go together, they're different. The Lord is teaching us to speak to our problems, to speak to our mountains, to speak to the obstacles that are standing in our way, whatever they are. And he's telling us that our words are important. He didn't say, believe what God says. He said, we must believe what we say. So we have to believe in the significance of our words. Uh, and yes, we do have to believe God's word. There's no doubt about it. And we have to believe what God says. And it's usually a good idea to say what God says, because then you know you're speaking his will. But what he's teaching us here is to have faith in our words. Uh, now, if your words are the same as God's words, it'll be a whole lot easier to have faith in that, in what we say. You know, F.F. F. Bosworth says that, you know, uh, faith begins where the will of God is known. So we need to know the will of God. So if we're speaking what God's speaking, and we're speaking his word, uh, and we're uh, uh, parrots of his word, if you will, then we know we're speaking his will, and you can't go wrong doing that. Now I'm going to meddle just a little bit, because... You know, lies and deceptions are running wild in the world today. And, and some people think it's okay to tell a little lie every now and then. And they'll even make excuses for it and say, well, I lied so I wouldn't hurt their feeling. But you know what? You can't be a liar and a person of faith at the same time. It's impossible to believe both. What you're going to do is confuse your heart. Your heart is going to believe what you say. If your heart can't trust you, who can it trust? So you can't just go around lying and throw your words around loosely, talk junk all day, and then all of a sudden you get a pain that night and you say, all right, now I'm going to get serious and I'm going to believe what I say, and I believe that I'm healed from this symptom. I believe I'm healed from this sickness. Your heart won't believe you. Your heart will be confused. You've been lying all day to it, and now it doesn't know what to believe. And, and as people say, well, well, I don't really lie. I just exaggerate a little. Listen. Don't fool yourself. Exaggeration is the pretty little sister of a lie. And your heart knows how you've been lying and the way you've been living, so your heart won't have any confidence in your words. Your words won't have any power in your life, and you can't generate faith with your words because you know you don't really mean or believe them. So you can deceive your own heart, and that's what a lot of people have nowadays is a deceived heart. Your heart is confused and doesn't know what to believe. It's better for you to speak the word and speak the truth all the time, every day, every day, uh, 24-7, 365, so that your heart will never get confused. Your heart will always know that it can trust what you're saying, and you can believe it, and you can generate it in your heart and get that faith in your heart, and then you speak it out of your mouth. See, you can't treat words insignificantly or unimportant and throw them around lightly and say all kinds of things that you don't mean and don't believe and then expect to be a person of faith. It just doesn't work that way. If you want your words to be powerful and life-changing and meaningful, then you have to take them more seriously, all of them. And be selective about what you say. The more selective you are with your words, the more effective you will be 
with your faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13, uh, in the King James, it says this. We, you and I, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. The same spirit of faith. We have the same Holy Spirit that, that all the renowned men and women of old has. The same spirit of faith that David had when he killed Goliath. The same spirit of faith that Daniel had in the lion's den. The same spirit of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when they were thrown in the furnace. The same spirit of faith that operated in the Apostle Paul. We have the same spirit of faith. How does it work? We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. That's what we believe. We believe if we have faith in our heart and we speak it, it's going to change our circumstances. It's going to move our mountain. So what should we do? We should believe and speak. Paul preached the word of faith message. He said, uh, again, he said in Hebrews, it's, without faith it's impossible to please God. So we should be wanting to please God. We should be striving to please God, building up our faith on the word. And then Paul gives us an example in Romans chapter 8, or chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. He says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. What saith it? What is he talking about? The word. What does the word say? He says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That's pretty close. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt confess with your mouth being healed. Thou shalt confess with your mouth that God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. Uh, it, it's talking here about salvation, but it, it actually applies to anything that you want to believe in the word of God. So he says, uh, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or, or in other words, thou shalt confess that Jesus is Lord, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. He says, for, what, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, you know, we've been studying uh, last couple of Wednesday nights on being the righteousness of God in Christ. And, you know, it's a free gift and we receive it by faith. And so we have to believe in our heart that Jesus made us righteous. We didn't make ourselves righteous. Jesus made us righteous. He gave us his righteousness. Our righteousness, according to Isaiah, is like filthy rags. So we don't want our righteousness. We don't want self-righteousness. We want his righteousness. We want to be the righteousness of God in Christ, but we have to believe that in our heart and speak it with our mouth. But he says here that uh, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, I got to believe I'm righteous because I did what he told me to do. I believed on the Lord Jesus and I believe that God raised him from the dead and I spoke that out of my mouth and he said confession or speaking that out of your mouth is made unto salvation. So as a result of what I believed in my heart, spoke with my mouth, I, I received salvation. I received righteousness. I received healing. I received any of the promises of God by believing in my heart and speaking with my mouth. Verse 10, you release faith out of your heart through the confession of your mouth. So we could say that your mouth or your tongue is the trigger for your faith. 
you got their belief in your heart. You've been reading the word, meditating on the word. Faith is coming because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that faith is building up in your heart. But it doesn't help you until you pull the trigger and speak it out of your mouth. It's more to salvation than just believing or saying you have to believe and say. And it's exactly what Jesus was teaching us in Mark eleven twenty three, uh, Believing and speaking. Believing and saying. Is, I mean, what else does someone have to do to get saved? Uh, you know, according to what we just read. I, I know theologians have complicated it down through the years and Bible scholars and, and uh, all these other people. But uh, do we have to jump up and down or dance in a circle or do we have to cut ourselves or do we have to get circumcised? Do we have to get baptized? Do we have to quit wearing makeup, start wearing longer dresses, give all our money to the church? No, none of those things. Paul is saying here, you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, confess it with your mouth, and you'll be saved, period. You know, I always said this, it's the blood plus nothing. We can't add anything to that. And I know man wants to get a part in it, and man wants to say, unless I baptize you, you can't be saved. Unless you get circumcised, you can't be saved. But Paul said it's the blood plus nothing. We don't add anything to God's work. This is God's work. And anytime we think we have to add to it like baptism or something like that, we're trying to add to what God has already completed. No, it's God. It's the blood plus nothing. So uh, what I have to do then, just believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. Speak it with your mouth and you'll be saved. Believing is what faith is. Speaking is releasing that faith through your mouth. And then you get what you said. And then your mountains are moved. See, God releases his faith the same way. That's why it says that you could have the faith of God, faith in God. He speaks what he wants. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Simple as that. God has spoken things through prophecy and centuries later, it might happen. He's spoken things in the past that haven't happened yet, but you better believe they're going to happen. Why? Because God believes they're going to happen. He has the faith in his heart. He's already spoken. It, and so he's sitting back. He's not sweating it. He's not wringing his hands. He ain't worried about it happening. He knows it's going to happen. And that's the same thing that we have to do with our faith. We have to believe in our heart, speak it with our mouth. And if we don't see it right then, we just sit back and, and rest in God knowing that it's going to happen. See, believing and saying. And it's easy to tell uh, it's real if it's real to somebody because, you know, we'll say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And, and you know, the, the deep sheep, they go, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I know that scripture. I, I, matter of fact, I can quote it. Then why are you still worried about getting your bills paid? See, you won't believe that God will supply, but you'll share a Facebook said that if you uh, like this and repost it, then before tonight, you're going to receive money. We'll believe that and get disappointed that night when we go to bed because we didn't get the money. But you struggle with the, the word of God 
If he says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, I sleep like a baby at night. I don't care if I have bills hanging over my head or debt or anything else. I sleep like a baby because I believe in my heart. I spoke it with my mouth that he's going to supply all my needs. And now I'm going to rest in that promise. No doubts, no wringing of hands, no sweating. I just believe, I speak it, and I wait for it to manifest. See, if you have needs and say, my God shall supply all my needs, then it should change your countenance. It should put a smile on your face. You should get happy and be full of joy. Why? Because if you really believe he's going to do that, you got nothing to be sad about. You should be happy. You should be smiling. You should be walking around like the, you got the, the world by the tail. Why? Because you, you believed it in your heart. You spoke it. That's the end of it. Hallelujah. Let's look at James uh, 117. I got a few more minutes left. James 117. He says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Another way to say that is that uh, God never changes. He's not a light. He is the light. All light emanates from him. And so he says there's no shadow of turning because no matter which way God turns, he never casts a shadow because he is the light. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. If you've got something good and perfect, it came from him. Uh, and then in verse 18, he says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, a wise person listens a whole lot more than he speaks. He, he does a whole lot more listening than talking. And he's slow to wrath. In other words, you've been provoked from one, one way to another. Every which way somebody's been provoking you, and yet you haven't lost it yet. That's slow to wrath. And this is how we're to be. Uh, uh, you know, people just fly off the handle and then they say, well, I, I just can't help myself. It's, it's just in my DNA. You know, my granddad was like that. My dad is like that. And that's the reason why I lose my temper. I just can't help myself. But you're that way because you believe it and you keep saying it. You need to change what you're believing and change what you're saying and saying the buck's going to stop here. My granddad may have been uh, quick-tempered. My dad may have been quick-tempered, but I'm not going to be quick-tempered in Jesus' name. And you start believing that in your heart and start confessing that with your mouth, and you'll be surprised how, how quick you'll change. And then James continues talking about being a doer of the word. And then in verse 26, he says this, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue or controls his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And vain here means useless and worthless. Your, your religion is useless and worthless. And you can do all kinds of good works. You can pay for somebody's gas, pay for their groceries, never miss church, pay your tithes, read and listen to the word every chance you get. But if you can't control your tongue, James says your religion is useless and worthless. Yeah, but I ain't religious anyway. Well, this isn't talking about man-made religion as we know. It's talking about pure religion. 
And, and in verse 27, he tells us that he says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. In other words, this is pure religion. This is real religion. There's two types of religion, vain religion and pure religion. And we're to walk in pure religion. We're to be doing good works and we're, we're to walk unspotted from the world. And in chapter 2, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And then chapter 3, he gives us the primary action of faith. And this is what I want to get to here. James chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. I'm going to read it in the easy reader version. He says, we, we all make mistakes. A person who never said anything wrong would be perfect. Someone like that would be able to control their whole body too. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. It is the same with ships. A ship is very big and it is pushed by strong winds, but a very small rudder controls that big ship. And the one who controls the rudder decides where the ship will go. It goes where he wants it to go. It's the same with our tongue. And who controls the tongue? You do. It is a small part of the body, but it can boast about doing great things. A big forest can be started, a big forest fire can be started with only one little flame. The Amplified says, and he is able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. In other words, if you can control your mouth, you can control what you do, you can change your nature, and you can control your life with that little rudder or that bit that's in your mouth called the tongue. Now, if that's true, and it is, because the word says it is, then we should be more careful with our words, huh? Your tongue is like a bridle in a horse's mouth. It's like the rudder of a ship, and you control it. Just like when you jerk on that bridle to the left, it causes that big thousand pound horse to go to the left. He changes direction. And the same way with the rudder, uh, that, that rudder causes that ship to change directions. Uh, even though it's being driven by fierce winds or being pushed by winds, you can change the direction of that ship with that rudder. And your tongue can change the direction of your life in spite of all the things that are pushing against you, like that fierce wind, uh, your tongue can change the direction of your life, even change your nature if you'll speak the right things, if you'll believe the right things and speak the right things. Somebody might say, well, I tried that before and it didn't work. Really? How long did you try it? A few days at least, right? I mean, sometimes it takes patience and perseverance and, and maybe, just maybe you might have gave up too soon. It's just like with that big ship. When you realize it's headed in the wrong direction, you turn the wheel, and the wheel turns the rudder, and the ship just begins to turn. It doesn't turn on the dime. It don't turn instantly, especially if it's a big ship, especially if you got your life in a big mess. It takes a little bit longer before the whole thing turns around and starts going in the direction that you want it to. And so... Use your tongue. Change the direction that you're going in. Change your life. Change your nature. How? By believing the right things 
and then speaking them out of your mouth, having a good confession. Uh, and just like that big ship, once you realize you're going the wrong way, start turning. But don't expect it to turn on a dime. Uh, and before, you, before long, you'll begin to realize, hey, things are starting to change. Things look differently now. I'm starting to go in the right direction. And you just keep turning and you just keep on going. And, and you'll be surprised how, how your life will change. See, your tongue will turn your life around, just like the rudder, just like the bridle. So you've been speaking wrong things all your life, but now you expect things to change instantly. That's not how it works. So we should be more selective with our words. I mean, if our words, if our little tongue is directing our life, then we should be more careful what we're saying. We should watch what we're saying. And if you really believe what Jesus said, then you'll be more careful with your words. And when you say something and then realize it's wrong, you should immediately correct yourself. You should swallow that pride and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I know I said that, but I, I didn't mean it. It's not true. And, and I, I confess, I break that confession. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And change it. Change it right then. Don't wait. Uh, and how do we do it? My number one, start saying, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm prospering. Uh, my God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Start confessing what the word says. Start saying who God says you are, and you'll be surprised how your life is going to change. See, it's easy to have a good confession at church in front of other believers. But what are you saying at home? What are you saying at work? What are you saying while you're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off in the car? What are you saying at the grocery store or school if you're still in school? That's how you tell when somebody is really walking in faith or walking by faith and not by sight, by what comes out of their mouth. Because Jesus said for out of the abundance of the heart where faith is, is built and made or produced, uh, the, the mouth speaketh. So, uh, the, the, wor the words that you speak is coming out of your heart. So why shouldn't they be faith-filled words, mountain-moving words, healing words, comforting words, peaceful words, because they're going to have effect on somebody. You first. You're the first one to hear what comes out of your mouth. And then the person that you directed them to. And you know, someone once said that words are like little containers, you know. Uh, uh, you speak them out of your mouth, this little container with your words goes out into the world. And the only problem with that is you can't get them back. So you got to be careful with your words. And, and you have to speak what, not, not what you're seeing, but speak what you believe you want to see. And start speaking words of faith and you'll see how quick it will change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that's come forth tonight. God, I pray that it's touched people's hearts tonight. I pray that it's found its home in somebody's heart. I pray that, Father, they're going to get faith from this word tonight, and it's going to change their life because it's going to change the way that they speak. And that little tongue is going to start giving better direction to their life, and it's going to start turning some things around. If they've been going in the wrong direction, Lord, I pray that they start speaking the right things right now and start turning their life in the right direction, the direction that you want it to go. And they keep on doing it until they're going right down the path of God's will for their life. Hallelujah. We thank you for each and every one that's out there. We ask that you touch them. 
touch each and every one, Lord. God, if there's a problem, we know that you're the problem solver. If there's a need, we know that you're the need meter. If there's somebody sick out there and needs a touch from you, God, we ask that you stretch forth your hand to heal them right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your safety. We, we declare and decree right now that no evil shall befall us and no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you this Sunday morning, probably about 11 o'clock, right after praise and worship. Uh, we were successful in sneaking in a couple songs last Sunday. Maybe we can get another one in for you this Sunday. Uh, we love you and appreciate you. Be safe and be careful. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.